let us pray. Lord, for your word that we are about to hear and share, may we be truly thankful and respond to your word with obedience. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in his book, The Activist Guide to Prayer, a little book that I've got in my study at home, Brian Gilbert quoted a very renowned Methodist preacher uh, who was once the principal of Cliff College, but also he was uh, president of Methodist Conference, the Reverend Samuel Chadwick, who said in that little book, I quote, the one concern of the devil is to keep Christians from praying. He said the devil laughs at our toil, mocks at our wisdom, but trembles when we pray. The devil is shaken when we pray. Why? Because when we pray, things happen. And that is the title of my message this morning. When we pray, things happen. In James chapter 5 verse 16, Paul said, the prayer, or James said, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And you've got to agree with that. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And also in that small little book in my study, he quoted a man called Dwight Moody who said, Christ's soldiers fight best on their knees. And that's true because Christ himself fought best on his knees. And we as his disciples, we are to copy, copy his example. You see, my three-year-old grandson who was with us here a few weeks ago in London is a copycat. He copies almost everything he says me do in the house. I have to be careful what I do in his presence. In the morning, I'm putting on my shoe to come to work. Off he goes, he gets his trainers, he wants to put his trainers on. I pick up my sunglasses to jump on my bike to come to work. He wants his sunglasses on. Disciples of Jesus are to be copycats in a way. In Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1, the apostle Paul said, as disciples we are to be imitators of Christ. The Greek word used there means to mimic Christ, to copy Christ, to be Christ-like, to be like Christ. Disciples watch and do what Christ did. They live by the teachings of Jesus Christ. The disciples seek to be Christ-like in all that they say and do. And so in Luke chapter 11, when the disciples saw Jesus praying, they were very curious. They wanted uh, to understand what this is all about. They wanted to imitate Christ in his prayer life. They wanted to pray like him. Uh, they wanted to imitate him. So they asked Jesus, Lord, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to communicate properly with God. So today our lectionary passage brings us right into the classroom where Jesus was given a lecture, a teaching session on prayer. In our Methodist Central Hall Westminster Alpha Course study group, we learned that prayer is an invitation. Prayer is an invitation for us to communicate with God, an invitation for us to be in communion with God. And if we think about it, God exists, and God created you and I for a relationship with him. So learning how to effectively communicate with God through prayer is one of the most important lessons for us as believers. 
The truth is that all our relationships are built on good communication. When people learn how to communicate, their relationship grows and flourishes. If you see a husband and wife that are all lovey-dovey here and there, a bit of good communication is in there, or perhaps they're acting it off. But where you see that kind of love and friendship and relationship going on, good communication part of it. And that's the truth about good communication in our relationship. I have the story of a husband and a wife who were not in good speaking terms. Those of us who are married, you know that now and again you do have those domestic, unless you're a Methodist. And Methodists don't have that, do we? No, we don't. Do we? No, we don't have domestics. But this story talks about a husband and wife who had a little bit of domestic. They were not communicating. To communicate, they used sticky notes around the house. So when he came from work that afternoon, he left a note saying, Please wake me up at 6 a.m. I'm catching my flight to China at 8 a.m. Fair enough, she read the notes. She understood the notes. And so, she woke up early in the morning, 6 a.m. She took the sticky notes. She wrote her own notes. And stick it next to the bed, just next to him. The note saying, wake up. It's 6 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> he woke up at 11 a.m., obviously missing his flight. Wake up. It's 6 a.m. in the morning. And he missed his flight. The word communication is far more than sticking notes here and there. It's far more than throwing information here and there. It is an invitation to commune with one another, to develop a relationship. This is why prayer is important. All of us as disciples today need to understand how to properly and effectively communicate with God through prayer. If our gospel passage read for us this morning teaches anything, it is the fact that God has a vested interest in our prayer life. God has a vested interest in prayer, how we pray, when we pray. So when the disciples requested a special lecture and a teaching session on prayer, Jesus, the master lecturer, was happy to give a comprehensive session on prayer. And to help us this morning model our own lives, to help us this morning shape our own prayer lives according to the teachings of Jesus as recorded in that gospel passage in Luke chapter 11, uh, remembering these words, all starting with the letter P, will be helpful. So five P's I'm going to give you this morning. If you're writing down, you can have them if you're writing. If not, you'll find them in the online service. Uh, I mentioned them there as well. Five P's. And if you are eating any lunch that uh, I've got green peas in it this morning, you remember these five P's as well. Number one, prayer starts with God's persons. God in three persons. God is the Father. God is our Father. Prayer starts with God's persona. Jesus said, when you pray, say our Father who art in heaven. He is our Father. We are to address our prayer to God, our Father. The word used there is Abba, an intimate word, Papa, one with whom we have 
a relationship. It is a child and father relationship that we have with him. And if you don't have that relationship this morning, you can enter that relationship by accepting the love that he shed for us on the cross of Calvary through his son, Jesus Christ. This is the relationship that we have when we pray to God. His persona, he is our father and he is listening and waiting for our prayer. God, our Father in heaven, is divine. He cannot be compared with us earthly fathers. He is a loving and caring Father who extends an invitation to us to pray and communicate with him all the time, anywhere, anyhow. In Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 33, he said, Call on me. Call on me at any time and I will answer you. With God, you will never have a missed call. With God, you will never have the answering machine saying to you, your call cannot be taken at the moment. Please leave a message after the beep. No way. You don't have it with God. Just call on me and I will answer you. So when you pray, when we pray, let us remember God's persona. He is our father. The second P is that we are, when we pray, we are to remember God's program. God has got a program for us. Jesus said in that prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. The priority in prayer is about God's program and about God's kingdom. To bring about a kingdom of love in a world of hate. To bring about a kingdom of peace in a world of war. To bring about a kingdom of justice in a world of injustice. A kingdom of righteousness in a world of sin. May the kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So when you pray, you are to remember God's program. God grants me faith so that I can serve you. You see, you are praying for something, but you are remembering God's program. Grant me faith so I can serve you. Grant me faith not so that I can be the hero, so that I can shine, but grant me faith so I can serve you. When you pray, pray God's program. God, please bless me with a spouse who will help me and support me in my ministry. That's the kind of prayer you are wanting something for God, but you are remembering God's program in that prayer. God, bless me financially so I can support the church. I put that in particular because I know it's going to put a smile on Amma's face. Somebody say amen to that. Grant me financial blessing so I can support your church. So you're asking God for one blessing, but you are remembering God's program in that blessing. It's not all about you. Jesus says when you pray, let thy kingdom come should be part of that prayer. So number one, you think of God's persona. Number two, think about God's program when we pray. God bless me with a child. And when you give me that child, God, I will surrender that child to your work and to your kingdom. God hears and listens those kinds of prayer. He listens to those kinds of prayers. Why? Because they have got God's program and God's agenda onto it. So when you pray, remember God's, remember God's program. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. The third P for those who are writing is to remember God's provision. God's provision. Give us this day, Jesus said, our daily bread. He is our Jehovah Jireh, the God who promised to supply 
all of our needs according to his riches in glory. He provided manna for his people in the desert. He fed over 5,000 people with just five loaves and two fish. He has the credentials to provide. Just trust him. He has got the credentials to provide. There is nothing wrong for you and I to ask God for our material needs. You can ask God for your needs. You can ask God for what you need. Not our wants, but our need. Not greed, but our need. We can ask God, and Jesus is saying in this prayer that he's taught his disciples, that Jesus is saying here that God will provide for us. All we have got to do is to trust him. Believe and trust in him. And the fourth P is to remember God's pardon. Jesus said, forgive us our sins as we forgive others. This is a challenge for all of us here this morning. How can we expect God's pardon when we cannot give it to others? C.S. Lewis, that wonderful thinker, said, everyone thinks forgiveness is good until you have to forgive the one who broke your heart. But Jesus says, leave the avenging with me. For you and for me, forgive. Forgive. The fifth and final P in this very educative kind of uh, sermon that I'm preaching today, almost a teaching, is to remember God's protection. Remember God's protection. Jesus said, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from all evil. Deliver us from the evil one. The evil one brings temptation to each and every one of us. To overcome, we need the help of the Holy Spirit. To overcome those temptations, we need to be close to God. God who is our refuge. God who is our defender. God, the solid rock on which we all stand. Jesus gave this prayer to us to use it. It is the channel through which God is going to bless us when we communicate and pray with him and pray to him effectively. In the second part of that teaching session or lecture that Jesus gave, Jesus used the parable or Jesus used that parable that was read for us in the gospel to highlight two blind spots in our prayer life. Two blind spots. One is consistency and the other one is persistency. On consistency, he said, we are to ask. We are to pray ceaselessly. It's easy for us to just get defeated in prayer. He said, ask and pray in season and out of season. No one goes to the gym and see all the results they're looking for after two days. You go to the gym and you come and you go to your mirror. Nothing has changed. You go another day, you come, you stand in front of the mirror. It's as if you even got bigger. You go and you go and come and look at it and you discourage. Why? Because you're not seeing results. Nothing is happening. You do it, you do it, nothing is happening. But I want to tell you the truth is that it is consistency that brings the results. Keep praying. Keep doing it. Don't give up. So let's keep praying. God loves to hear from us. And on persistency, he encouraged us not to give up easily. We read that story of Abraham in the Old Testament passage, interceding on behalf of the people of Sodom and Gomorrah, a city where the people strayed away from God and did all manner of evil in God's sight. But Abraham, in that prayer, approached God with consistency and what I call humble persistency. Now you've got those kind of 
chronic problems in your family, in your lives, in your relationship, in what you are doing, that you've prayed and prayed and prayed. It's not happening. It's not going anywhere. This is time for us to use what I call humble persistency. God, I've prayed about this and I'm praying about it again and I'll pray about it again and again and again and again and again because you are a prayer answering God because it is in consistency that we get the result uh, that we're looking for. Abraham had that humble persistency before God. You should never be discouraged because if there is a God, if there is a man and a woman to pray, there is a God to listen and that God is the God of Abraham. Abraham prayed, Lord, if there are 50 righteous people in Sodom, will you judge the city? God said, no, I won't. What about 45? God said, no, I won't. What about 40? God said, no, I won't. What about 30 people? What about 20? What about 10? God said, no, I won't. And we can learn from that resilient in intercession from Abraham. He wasn't willing to give up. He was there hanging in on behalf of other people, praying. So don't just give up because there's a problem or there's something, there's a situation, and you've done that quick fire prayer and nothing has happened. Don't give up. Be persistent. Apply what I call humble, persistent in prayer. And the God who sees you in secret will reward you openly. Abraham interceded for his nephew, a man called Lot who was living in Sodom. Later, the angel came down to his house and Lot agreed to live and his family before the destruction of Sodom. His life was saved because Abraham prayed. Who has the Lord laid in your heart today? Who has God impressed in your heart to pray for today? Perhaps it is your prayer that is going to heal that person who is unwell. Perhaps it is your prayer that is going to save that person who is going through that difficult situation and don't know where to turn. They've done everything they could. Nothing has happened. Perhaps it is just that your effective communication that God is waiting for, for you to go on your knees and say, God, save my mom, save my dad, save my son, save my brother, save my friend. Perhaps it is only you, God, is waiting for you to apply that humble consistency in prayer for God to prompt that action. Who has God laid in your heart today to pray for? Don't put it off. Let's pray about it. Like Abraham, let's be persistent in prayer. Sometimes we lack persistence because we let negative thoughts. Have you ever been there? As soon as you say, I want to pray about this thing, negative thoughts comes into our minds, into our heads, and we start discouraging ourselves before even we start praying. Negative thoughts, we have to be persistent to plow our way through those negative thoughts when they come into us, when we are ready to pray. They're always there to defeat us in prayer. In our prayer time, we entertain doubts. We begin to pray and we say, ah, I don't think, God, you're going to do anything about this. This problem has been there 20 years. This problem has been there 30 years. This problem has been there 10 years. I don't think you would do anything. Don't let doubts put you off. Be persistent. At times we go to the prayer ground, we want to pray and we get distracted. As soon as you say you want to pray, you remember, oh, I haven't checked Facebook the whole day. And before you know it, you find yourself doing like this. You say, oh, I want to pray. I'm going to pray about this thing. And you're about to pray. And then you hear in the news, breaking news. Oh, the forget about prayer. You want to go there. Don't allow distraction. Jesus wants us to be humbly persistent in our prayer. And don't allow our thoughts to stray away when we get to that place of prayer. 
The parable of the persistent neighbor was not a parable of comparison. Rather, it was a parable of contrast, highlighting that our God is not a grumpy neighbor who wakes up and gives the bread reluctantly. Rather, our God neither slumber nor sleeps, as the psalmist says in Psalm 121. God always is always ready to respond to our prayers. And in this teaching that Jesus gave to the disciples as we are listening to him now, Jesus also taught the disciples that God always answers our prayers. But, I like that, but it is not always the way we expect. It is not always the answer that we want. It is not only the answer that we were expecting. But God always answers us. Sometimes he gives us the direct green light what you're asking for is granted. Go ahead and have it. Sometimes he gives us the delayed amber light. Wait, not yet. But we don't always love that answer. And sometimes he gives us the direct red light. No, not happening. It's not happening. At times when we look back, we look back at some of the things that God actually said no to that we really wanted, we were desperate for. We really want this thing, and God said no to it. And now when you look back in hindsight, some of us are praising God and say, thank God I didn't enter that relationship. Thank God I didn't enter that business deal. Thank God I didn't do this thing. Thank God for stopping me. I've got a wonderful testimony I would have loved to share with you, but I don't have time for it uh, this morning here about how God closed a door that I thought this was a perfect door in front of me. Um, it was spotless. It was all I thought in life that was going to be the best for me. And you know what? I get to that point where God was supposed to open the door, and for some reason that I still cannot comprehend in my mind, that door was shut in front of me. I cried, I prayed, I begged God, I said, God, open this door. This must be right. This is what is for me. But God shut that door. But he opened another door. And so perhaps when you look in hindsight, you're thanking God now, saying, God, I thank you, you closed that door because you've got something better for me. Or perhaps he has something better or has already done something better for you. At times God said no. And that no is for our own good. It's for our own good. The good news this morning as I conclude is that in that teaching session that Jesus gave the disciples, he listed promises and rewards for those who will be consistent and persistent in prayer. He said, ask. Ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened unto you. If we who are evil know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more our heavenly father, our Abba, our Papa, how much more will he give us the Holy Spirit? The Spirit who will help us to pray. The Spirit who will help us to be what God intends for us to be. The Spirit who will help us to be good Christians who will reach out to others. The Spirit who will enable us. Jesus says, those who pray, how much more God will give you the Holy Spirit. I tell you now, the car that you are dreaming to have, or oh, if I have this Lamborghini, or oh, if I have this, this Rolls Royce, or oh, if I have this, I will be the happiest person in the world. I tell you, there are some people who've got all of that and they're not happy. They're still looking for happiness. 
But here Jesus is saying to us, how much more your Father who will give you the Holy Spirit that will bring that peace, that joy that we look for in all of the things of the world. God is going to give it to us in the person of the Holy Spirit. No matter how rich, no matter how powerful, no matter how influential we are, you can never go to a shop and say, I have come to buy peace. Peace is nowhere to be found. You cannot buy peace on Amazon. You can buy something that will bring you peace, but I tell you there's no guarantee in it. Because I know somebody who's got it and still haven't got peace. And the reward Jesus gave to us here, he said, how much more your Father who will give you the Holy Spirit, the Spirit who will give you peace, who will bring you joy, the Spirit that will bring you happiness. God is listening for our prayers. God wants us to reach out to him. When we pray, he listens. There is a man called Elijah. He prayed, and God answered him. There was a lady called Hannah. She was looking for a baby. She was barren. She prayed, and she became fruitful. When you pray, when I pray, God will answer. God delights in hearing and answering our prayers. And to that assuring good news, let the church of God say amen. We're going to sing our last.